0: Pushing buttons and pulling triggers, this is Gun Funny.
1: Welcome to Gun Funny episode 138. Today I'm going to chat with Jeremy Gresham from IWI, talk about what some people are doing with toilet paper, and discuss JK Armament solvent traps. I'm your host, Ava Flanell, and Jeremy, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Ava. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Although I got to say this quarantine thing, the stay at home order, it's definitely kind of making me fat. And I've been eating all the junk food. Like I legit just ate a Big Mac from McDonald's and I can't even tell you the last time I had McDonald's. I'm like disgusted with myself. <laughs> and then I also for breakfast, I had like Reese's cereal. So yeah, there's that.
2: You've been eating any cookies?
1: Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, that's not even a question.
2: You can't order them from your favorite place in New York. I got some of those cookies. I did not get a chance to eat them. The warehouse guys ate them, but I appreciate it though.
1: Well, did they say that they were good?
2: They said they were amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You totally missed out. They were like, so if, if you guys are in the East coast or you can, I guess when all of this stuff, you know, is lifted, you can, it's Levain Bakery and these cookies are like huge. Like they're, I don't know. I want to say like four inches thick. They're super big. And they're just delicious. And yeah, highly recommend that you order them. But I think after today, I'm probably just gonna throw away all my junk food because I'm not coming out of this quarantine like 40 pounds heavier. It's just not happening. <laughs> so all right, before we get into Manicore arms, I'm actually really excited to talk to you about Manicor Arms because you guys actually you have a lot of their products. Like ManaCore has designed a lot of products around the Tabor and I mean, just like a bunch of stuff, actually. It's almost like, I would say, he's Sven's designed more products for IWI products than any other company out there.
2: I, I would probably agree with that. Uh, Sven's a very good friend of uh, of us, an IWI supporter, um, and has built a lot of products. Uh, the curved butt pad has been a huge success for it. And also the uh, the gasket cover, you know, here in the United States, we do like to put suppressors on guns. So... Mm-hmm. When I, when IWI built the X95, that, uh, gas, that gas port cover, uh, bleeds a lot of excess gas out of it. And when you put his on there, it kind of tightens it up and seals it a little better. So we definitely appreciate what he does for us, uh, supporting uh, aftermarket wise for our products and, uh, even some R&D stuff. We send him product all the time. It's like, Hey, can you build this for me? Can you make that, uh, just one off stuff? Yeah. So we appreciate him for yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: definitely. He's a little he's a little genius, that Sven. Um cool. if you guys want to check out his products, go to manicorearms.com, use the code Gunfunny15, and that will get you 15% off.
0: Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry.
1: All right. So before we start talking about IWI, Jeremy, what is your position there?
2: Uh, director of sales and marketing.
1: And so, did you, is that your first position there or did you start in another department and then kind of work your way up?
2: Uh, this is my, uh, I came here in this position Okay. and uh, have been here. I came here for a director of sales thing and then it morphed into director of sales and marketing and that's where I've been at since then.
1: Nice. And what were you doing previously?
2: Uh, I was vice president of sales and marketing at a different company, um, Strategic Armory Corps. Um, They own Armalite uh, Rifles, Surgeon, McMillan, and a couple other companies. Uh, So I was the uh, vice president of sales and marketing there for four and a half years, five years.
1: Wow, that's impressive. So what made you get into the gun industry?
2: When I went to school at Florida State, I ran a gun store in Tallahassee, Florida, Uh, Kevin's Guns and Sporting Goods and kind of had no interest in continuing in this industry. Uh, my degree is in risk management and insurance, mm-hmm. but had a, a knack for it and ended up getting a phone call from one of the largest distributors at the time uh, asking me if I wanted to come over to their uh, company and be a buyer for all of the uh, firearms and tactical equipment. So if it went on a tactical type rifle whether it was optics or magazines or accessories or even the rifle itself, I bought that for a period of uh, four years, managing you know two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand or two hundred and fifty to three hundred million dollars worth of business for that company for a number of years, and then Armalite came and plucked me from there.
1: Wow, that's really cool! Isn't it funny how we go to college and our degree usually has nothing to do with what we do and like career wise.
2: Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. You know, I was more interested in the risk management side of the house. Mm -hmm. So I find it's, it's a lot of analytical stuff, you know, Excel, uh, understanding risk and analyzing risk. And fortunately within this industry, we have a lot of peaks and valleys within it, Mm -hmm. um, mostly due to political environments. So, uh, that understanding of risk and analyzing it has correlated a lot, but um, every now and then I catch myself in meetings with HR, you know, helping them understand insurance. So, hmm. uh, it, it works, but yeah, a hundred percent, the vast majority of the country, I think goes to school for something that they don't do today.
1: Oh, I know. And that's why I tell students all the time who are like, they spend, you know, like 10 years in college cause they can't make up their mind on what they want to major in. And I'm always telling them, I'm like, just whatever you enjoy and you can do well at just do that and get out of there because you're just wasting money and you're probably not even going to use it. You just need a degree. It'll help with your career, but other than that it's really, you know. Moving on to IWI, how long have they been around?
2: So, IWI Israel has been in business for over 80 years. Wow. Um it's it, it was a part of IMI uh in Israel military,
1: military industries. industries, yeah. In-
2: and then it broke apart and, and became Israel Weapon Industries and has been, you know, building weapon systems, designing weapon systems for large scale governments and civilians for over 80 years. Uh, IWI-US has been in business since 2013. Uh, so still kind of in its infant stage here in the United States, mm-hmm. but globally and even within the United States a very well-respected major player within the firearms manufacturing space.
1: Yeah, definitely. So starting out, did they originally just make guns for military?
2: Yes. Okay. Um, so more specifically for the, you know, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, you know, Israel has been given multitude of weapons over the course of their uh, existence with, as, a, as a sovereign nation, and they... Arguably were given weapon systems that were hand me downs or failures. Uh, so as they became a larger player, um, and wanted to develop their own weapon systems, they have developed systems that they knew what worked in their back, in their backyard and what didn't work. So they kind of took what they knew what worked and added some unique flares to it and made it to where we of the product we have today. You know, the Galil was, uh, you know, they, they were given AKs, 7.62 by 39, mm-hmm. some type of Kalashnikov rifle, comblock weapon system that ran extremely well, but didn't have the range as their fouls in 308, 7.62 by 51 NATO. So the original Galil was actually a hybrid between the foul 308 caliber and an AK operating system. And that became the Galil. And then we brought in 7.62 by 39 and then 5.56. 5. And then the Tavor's, they were given Colt commandos uh, that were super small. Mm-hmm. And as we find out that ballistics don't exactly work very well out of those super small weapon systems, they went to a larger M4 variant. But then crawling in and out of the, the, the caverns and caves in Israel and in and, in and out of tanks, they're like, we've got to find a better way of doing this. Hence comes the bullpup and the SAR and then now the X-95. So... Every weapon system, they, Israel has this uh, big banners and it's on their, you know, their catalog and it's on some of our, our catalog of Born Out of Necessity. It's because our weapon systems were built or born from something we were either one given that failed or given and we found a better way of making it work within the dynamics in which IWI Israel and the IDF forces were using it. And then the world basically caught on to it and we've been selling around the world for years.
1: Wow. So I have two questions. This one might be kind of dumb, but out of curiosity, so did IWI kind of set the trend for bullpups?
2: That's a good question. I I, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, somebody will probably correct me on that because I really don't know. But, but I it, it almost seems that-
1: like it. Because I think, I mean, you guys are, you, you say bullpup and IWI is like the first company that always comes to mind.
2: For sure. So Steyr has built the AUG for a number of years. So at the very least, it's going to be one of us that mm-hmm. have it. But I would say that globally, we have the most recognizable and probably most sought after bullpup around the world. Yeah. Um, we have about 73 countries using our product as their primary means of defense. So And we're only continuing to grow on that.
1: Wow. And then who is there like one person or just, uh, like who's the mastermind behind taking these products and then developing something better?
2: So there, there's one owner, Sammy Kitsoff. Uh, he has a board, which, uh, consists of a couple people in his family, his, uh, daughter Orly. And, but then we have a whole team of engineers. Um, we have an entire, uh, team. My sales and marketing team is also the R&D team, um, because the is the Israeli IWI R&D team doesn't really understand how the U.S. and how we shoot. Mm-hmm. We have our little own unique flair on how we work, but also make no mistake. The entire world looks to the United States for small arms weapons development. And if you're not here, you're behind the bell curve, which is why every major foreign weapons manufacturer has stood up manufacturing or has a us entity um sig Sauer FN Glock HK we, uh, US we're, CZ just announced they're, they're going to move some you know a production facility here into the US it's because if you're not here there's no way we can test product to help the end user for what you'll you see final product as.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. But
2: overall it's, it's really, he's the, he's the CEO president. He owns the company. He also owns a company, uh, It's an optic. It's our optics company. It's our sister company. We also own this company called Camaro, which is see-through wall technology. Pretty interesting. And then we own an entire shipping yard where we'll go in and dredge ports for countries and uh, help them get their shipping, you know, ports online operational.
1: Hmm, interesting. I didn't realize that you guys were involved in all those other companies.
2: Yeah. So, we're, you know, fortunately I only have to worry about IWI, but mm-hmm. you know, SK group, which is Sammy Kitsoff group. He, he's got his hands in all of that, but I only have to focus, you know, with IWI. Meprolite is here in the United States as well. So we do, uh, A lot of cross collaboration with each other, Mm -hmm. Uh, but the other companies are overseas and I only see their head CEOs of those individual branches, you know, once or twice a year when I go over there and have a meeting.
1: Gotcha. All right. So, kind of changing the subject a little bit. So, when you guys decided to have a factory in the US, what were some of the first products that you imported? And on top of that, is there a way, because I know that it's kind of a pain to import a lot of the products, you have to get them approved. So is there a way to just make, you know, the components and then build them here and then you kind of avoid that importation?
2: Yeah. So when we first came to the United States, we brought the SAR, the original bullpup to the United States in, in first caliber was 5.56. And then it came into 9 mil and then 300 blackout as well. So you're absolutely right. You have to submit them to the ATF and to, you know, things of that nature. They have to approve them. And that typically takes anywhere between nine months to a year. And then once they're approved, they come in the United States and then you have the 922R compliant them, which basically says you have to have X amount of U.S. manufactured goods on the weapon system to stay within 922R. Even in our manual, we state, using any other mag besides Magpul PMAG could potentially push you out of 922R compliant because the magazine is part of that U.S.-made component. And, you know, if you decide to put in a Bulgarian magazine, well, nobody's ever been prosecuted, I guess, or gone after Mm -hmm. for 922R, but we just want to cover our bases. Uh, From there, it went to the Galil and Jericho Um, And then the X95, and then we've recently introduced Tavor Seven, TS12, uh, and Masada. So the second question that you asked is, you know, can we manufacture them here in the U.S. and get around importation law? You absolutely could. You would have to. You know, at first you want to invest. You have to invest a significant amount of money to get uh, the machine power up and running. Mm -hmm. But as I said, we we we've really only hit our you know, seventh year in the United States. And for all intents and purposes, it's our sixth year in the United States. This past SHOT Show in January, we did announce the formation of IWI-US manufacturing, which is, you know, we went out and invested a significant amount of money in a building, in uh, machine power, and even personnel. Uh, And the first product we're doing with that would be our Zion model, which is uh, an M4 variant. And the real big reason why we didn't want to get into building our other stuff, uh, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier with insurance, is that when, when I came here, uh, I've made abundantly clear that our biggest risk is the fact that if they banned importation of firearms, yeah, um, which, is, which is probable, at some point it could potentially happen again.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The ATF knows every bolt spring and everything on my weapon system. Well, when they ban the importation of firearms, they also ban the components for warranty. And we've sold over 300,000 weapon systems in the United States. Well, those weapon systems no longer can be serviced or warrantied. So my statement to ownership and my CEO was that we need to get some type of manufacturing off the ground. And they agree and 100%. And, you know, that's what we started with. But if you remember in the early 2000s when Glock started doing their U.S. manufacturing, the consumer base pushed back really hard. And they were to a point where I was in distribution in the middle of 2000s. And I had to create separate part numbers for a Glock 19 made in Austria and a Glock 19 made in the U.S. because the consumer was saying, I didn't want my Glock to be made in the U.S. I wanted to be made in Austria. So all of our legacy product will continue to be made in Israel. All of the new product that we come online with, if we can get it imported, we will have it made in Israel uh, with their engineering know-how. But in the same breath of air, we are going to have these machines and our engineers working together with the engineers in Israel to understand how to make the components So that if we did ever run into an importation ban, we can continue to service and continue to build weapon systems along with developing some products around those importation. There are a few platforms in Israel that we have submitted for ATF approval and been denied. Uh, I won't mention them because you can go on IWI's website and figure that one out. Um, But our goal is we will continue to try to work with the ATF and importation law. But in the same breath of air, we're going to continue to work on getting those built here in the United States so we can provide these awesome products to the end users.
1: That's actually really genius. And I didn't think about even just the smaller parts. You know, and it's, it does make a lot of sense, especially, I mean, look at even today, like the world that we're living in and just everything that happened. I mean, the world pretty much just shut down. And this is stuff that like you would never see. Like I was just uh, earlier today, I taught a class and I was telling my students that never in my lifetime would I've ever expected this and just going to the grocery store and everyone's wearing masks and it almost just feels like you're like in a bad movie or like another country. So it's not one of those things where it it's possible that it won't happen. It's, I think it's just a matter of time in all honesty.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was telling my family the other day that and i told some buddies of mine this, that all of this is simply shaping tomorrow. Society as we know it today, due to this virus, will change the way we live mm-hmm. uh, and how we think as a country for many years to come. I mean, if you think about it, the vast majority of Americans have never lived in a state of fear.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, these, you know. I was in Israel and you hear iron dome going off, yeah. which is their defense air defense system where, you know, you've got probably a $30,000 mortar coming in and they're sending two, $300,000 worth of rockets to intercept it along with hit its origin. But they live in a state of fear every single day because mm-hmm. of that particular issue. Um, but if you think about it with America, we don't have that, right? We, most Americans have never lived in this type of environment. So I think you're going to see preparedness become a big deal for people, uh, for a person like you teaching classes. I think you're going to see a lot of first-time gun buyers that oh, yeah. have either just went out and bought firearms or maybe their mindset's changing a little bit and maybe they now want to take a class before they purchase a firearm to get a better understanding of what they're looking for when they actually do go into the store to buy it. And uh, I think it's going to be ultimately be good for us uh, as a country, uh, but it's definitely changing the way we are going to view things going forward.
1: Yeah. And I think I just saw something where it was like one in 20 Americans now own a gun. And just last month, I mean, there was record sales. I think they sold more than uh, around like the Obama administration. So it's, it's just crazy to see. And I have started asking a lot of my students in my basic classes, you know, who've mentioned like, oh, I just bought my first gun a week ago. And so I've asked them why. And sure enough, they were kind of anti-gun. And now they kind of realize, especially the fact that like cops aren't really showing up to anything that's like, you know, nonviolent. And so they realize the government's not going to be able to protect them. And I think a lot of people are just opening their eyes to the reality of things. So I'm curious to see how things develop over time when this whole thing passes, if people are going to continue to, you know, take up gun training and, and own their guns, or if they're just going to be like, all right, well, that's over and, you know, sell their guns and become anti-gun again.
2: I think you're going to see some, a little bit of both, right? Like you're going to see some, uh, buyer's remorse. Yeah. You know, why did I do this? Um, I didn't, I didn't need this, which is great. Right. Cause you're going to see some guns that you may or may not have wanted to buy because of the pricing, Uh, you know, those typically come back down.
1: Exactly. Um,
2: but you know, make no mistake, everybody comes back, uh, you know, and as you said, you know with the with the police departments you know a lot of people are telling you know that i've talked to that were uh, fraternity brothers of mine that were anti-gun they're understanding what i've always told them that the government is not here to help you fully and with local government telling people like hey we can't respond to petty crime and they're referring to petty crime like somebody breaking into your house exactly Like we can't respond to that because one, like we have other things to do, but also you have law enforcement officers just not showing up right now because they may have an infant at home or a sick, a sick mother that's living with them. Like they can't afford, they can't risk it to get somebody sick. So they're staying in the house. Well, diminishing return, right? Like there's just less people out there that can help you.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break and talk about SB Tactical. So if you guys are looking for a compact Air 15 build, I would highly recommend the SB, what is it, the SB, uh, PDW. It's a great option to reduce overall length. Ergonomics are very similar to the popular SBA3, which is one of my favorites, uh, but it's in a shorter, collapsed package. And I think SB Tactical, they're still, they're not, I think they shut down for the time being, until the end of April. But all of their, you know, like Brownells, Rainier Arms, all of those companies, they are still selling their products. But when this is lifted, if you want to head on over to sb-tactical.com, use the coupon code GUNFUNNY15, and that will get you 15% off. All right, so Jeremy, the Desert Eagle, which is super popular. So there's been some interesting... I don't know, just, uh, interesting ownership, I guess, or manufacturers around that. So, mm-hmm. cause a, a lot of people think that IWI manufactured or developed the Desert Eagle, but that's yeah. to my understanding, that's not true. Right. No.
2: So, so we get phone calls every day and we always feel about like, Hey, my baby Eagle or my Desert Eagle 50 is not working. And we're like, well, that's unfortunate, but you should call my research. <laughs> we manufactured both entities for uh Magnum Research for, for a number of years and and still do a little bit of work with them uh we don't do as much work with them anymore but there's a lot of weapon systems on on the civilian market side that you know Desert Eagle 50 and then on the on the frame itself it says manufactured by IWI Israel so even like people will come into our booth and they'll grab the Jericho and be like, Oh, it's the baby eagle. And we're like, yeah, not so much. We've been building the Jericho <laughs> a lot longer than we would build the baby eagle. But yeah, we, we've, we've built a lot for them and we have a, a good solid relationship with them. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much how it is, but we do get a lot of phone calls from them like, Hey, can you, can you warranty this? And we're like, yeah, we cannot, but you can call Magnum research. Right? My customer service guys know Magnum research's customer service number by heart.
1: Wow. That's pretty funny. That gun is pretty crazy. I remember the first time I shot it and I did not have that much gun experience. It was like maybe the first year that I started shooting. And talk about a hand cannon.
2: <laughs> it's definitely definitely a hand cannon. I uh recently went out and bought my own hand cannon with a uh, forty four mag Scandium Smith and Wesson revolver and let me tell you, it's not pleasant to shoot, but I bought it for Bears.
1: Oh nice. So the, okay. So the TS-12 is fairly new to the market. And just recently somebody messaged me and they're like, yeah, I talked to uh, IWI and they recommended that I put at least 200 rounds through the gun before it stops malfunctioning. But it's, I thought that was interesting because I have one and I haven't had any malfunctions and it's definitely less than 200 rounds that I've put through it. But is that, is that true? Are there a, you know, cause I've heard different things that some of them have had issues malfunctioning, or it depends on, you know, the kind of ammo that you use. And then other people have said that they haven't had a single issue.
2: So as with any shotgun, a shotgun's got some type of break-in period and it varies from shotgun to shotgun. I shoot a good bit of three gun and I've got Browning A5s and like, I've got three different Browning A5s and all three have acted differently until they're broken in and then they run pretty much all the same. So with that, when we did our initial testing with the TS-12, it averaged about a hundred rounds to break itself in, but it's got some, it's got some ammunition. It simply just doesn't like if your ammunition running, you know, 1145 feet per second, mm-hmm. it's not going to like it. And, and, and Hey, there might be some out there that do eat it up and chew it up. But for the most part in our testing, you needed to stay above 1200 feet per second and a one and one eighth ounce load. Uh, some people do run some buckshot and some slugs that are one ounce loads. And we've found that those, uh, run uh, considerably well. But for the vast majority of people, we just tell them like, Hey, if you're, if you're having issues outside of a hundred rounds, give our customer service call and we'll, you know, the one thing we were definitely good at besides building a weapon system is making sure the customers have I mean, we we bring the gun in; it gets it gets gone over pretty well. If there's anything we didn't catch during um, the building and production of it, we fix it or replace it. And you talk to a human being, except for these times where currently you know our customer service is shut down, but they're answering emails. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, most people's shotguns average about a hundred rounds to break yourself in, and that may be less or more depending on the person and what ammunition, but. There have been multiple reports of not having a single issue. And typically when I ask them, like, what ammunition are you running? They're running like 1,250 feet per second, bird shot or buckshot. They're up you know, a little bit higher than what we suggest, and they run perfectly fine. Uh, it's the guys that run the super soft recoiling loads, the home defense loads that are super soft recoiling. I think Federal's got a flight control system that's 1,145 you're just gonna have to break that gun in better and then see if it still works. And if it doesn't work, they make the same ammunition that has 1,250 feet per second. Shoot that one light loaded ammunition was designed around a pump because nothing was, mo- nothing's moving, right? It's mm-hmm. it's in general, shot shell in general was designed around over and under or side by side. So now we've taken an ammunition spec that hasn't changed in, century and put it in a semi-automatic shotgun. And, you know, unfortunately semi-automatic shotguns are finicky with the ammunition that they run. Mm-hmm. We think we've found a good recipe that allows it to run a very wide range of ammunition. Uh, not only, you know, there, there, there's not a, like a, you know, 175 gram boat tail hollow point 308 is a 175 gram boat tail hollow point, but on shot shell, it's the powder, it's the hole, it's the wad, it's the lead they are using. Like there's just so many variables. And we think we've found, like I said, that good recipe that allows it to run the vast majority of shot shell. But if you are having issues with one, um, you know, we encourage everybody to give us a call. Let's, let's talk through it. And, you know, the more information we can get, the better, you know, give us the model number of the shell you're using and we can go find it. We'll go buy it and see what the guns, how it's not acting. Cause, you know, at the end of the day, knowledge is power and we want, if we can make the gun run with that type of ammunition, it's something we can change on the production line. We will try to do it. But for the most part, the, the guns that I've seen come back here, they're all running less than the recommended specification on ammunition. And there's not a whole lot I can do about that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so when I, I have two funny stories, when I was shooting the TS-12, The first time that I shot it, it was an indoor range and I had to use buckshot and man, this gun. So I was like trying to get footage where it didn't look like this gun was like controlling me. And, uh, that was next to impossible. And it's just, I have video footage where my ear and eye pro is just like falling off my face because of just, you know, the recoil of the shotgun. And, uh, I don't know. It just, it made me laugh, but it still was a lot of fun and you know, my shoulder didn't hurt and I probably shot about 50 rounds that day. And then I had a chance to take it outside and I shot birdshot and that was a lot easier. And, um, it's definitely an enjoyable gun. One of the things is when I went to unload it, I noticed there's like a hidden compartment that stores an extra round. So I checked all the tubes and they were all unloaded. And then next thing I know, one of them like loads again do you know what I'm talking about? So or did I imagine the, this?
2: The, the famous ghost load. So yeah, a lot of semi-automatics can do this. And basically what ends up happening is you put one in the chamber mm-hmm. and then you push the release button and it ends up putting one on the lifter, which is underneath your bolt carrier at this point. And then you can then load your tube up You know, when Benelli first came out or other semi-automatic shotguns, but Benelli was the one that I remember the best, you know, when you migratory bird hunt, you can only have three rounds in the gun, two in the tube, one in the the pipe. Well, that was a way of getting a fourth round that wasn't really advertised, but definitely was doable. And it's the same thing with our gun and most any other semi-automatic gun. You could put one on the lifter and it may cause a malfunction, but... If you want that extra round, if that extra round is worth potential malfunction, then great. I, <laughs> I, more power to you, but I wouldn't recommend doing it, but you can, it's considered what they call a ghost load.
1: Interesting. I've never heard of that, but I don't have a ton of experience with shotguns, but I just thought, I was like, wow, good thing I had double checked to make sure it was unloaded. Otherwise I would have just loaded it, you know, in my car loaded and, but yeah, that's... I didn't realize that that's what I did. That's yeah. good to know. So I'm kind of like curious with the whole like COVID-19 going on. How has this affected the business?
2: So as far as business, business was has, has been doing really well for us for the last couple of years. Um, going into this year, we had, you know, another plan, another attack, how to go after the industry. And basically we hit this, COVID 19 deal uh, with our products being manufactured in Israel and Israel being one of the first countries to shut themselves down, our supply chain, for all intents and purposes, dried up. Mm-hmm. So they're back up and running to a small capacity. We are running on a skeleton crew, working within the confines of the CDC recommendations and still trying to produce product because the demand on the commercial level and law enforcement level is still high, uh, if not even higher. Mm -hmm. So business is doing well. Uh, we're continuing to work, keeping our employees employed, uh, working away. And, uh, that is our number one goal is to just continue to provide product to the end user, uh, regardless of your occupation, uh, and continue to keep our employees, uh, getting paid. Mm
1: -hmm. What do you think the future holds? Uh, for the industry or for us as a whole? You guys as a whole and the industry as well.
2: So I think as a whole, the industry is going to continue to climb. I don't see this COVID-19 going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I live in Pennsylvania where we're headquartered at and last couple of weeks, it's been the traffic's been pretty dismal uh, because we've been in this two week quarantine deal, Mm -hmm. which got extended, but now it's 75 degrees and clear blue skies and I'm noticing a lot more traffic. So I think people are coming back out of their little, you know, little, little cubby holes and it's going to end up spiking our quote unquote virus again, which is going to push people right back into this little fear mongling area that they're in. And I think we're going to go right back into this deal, but I have a feeling this is going to continue to last until probably the end of the, you know, middle and middle of the summer. And then we'll get back to a normal day, every day type thing. And then we go to our election time period. Uh, I, I don't see anybody beating Trump. And I think that the year will continue to get stronger. And as we get through all this, as we said earlier, I think you're going to see new gun buyers. I think you're going to see people rethinking their defense strategies. Uh, also rethinking their preparedness strategies. I mean, there are people that have enough in firearms to buy another home, but yet don't have 72 hours worth of food in their house. So like that's all great and all. But as my friend, uh, Jacob Herman over at night vision said, at the end of the day, I have PEC 15s and PBS 14s. I'm Superman with the end of the world. Like, you know, we have, you know, us in the industry, we have a significant amount more. But I was shocked to learn that all these people that are like, oh, here's my EDC, you know, here's my pistol, here's my tourniquet, blah, blah, blah. They don't have food and water and the means to distill water and the means to cook food without turning on their stove. It was rather shocking.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always said if that's how life is going to be, I'm just going down. I'm not trying to live a life like that.
2: Oh, come on now. (laughs)
1: It, it, when you mentioned uh, cooking without, you know, like a stove or a microwave, I was like, "Yeah, I'm out."
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of companies, right, that that build and manufacture good food that simply takes water. To, yeah, you know, Peak Refuels out out west with you, right? You're in Colorado; they're in Utah. Uh, peak Refuel, and that that stuff's phenomenal. You know, I've been a hunter for years and have used that food in my backpack I mean, you're in the mountains humping up and down, looking for elk out West where you're at and you're burning six to 7,000 calories a day. You need food. Yeah. And that's what these things are about. They're better than the MREs that I was issued in the military. So like definitely better. Than that.
1: So do you think that this is going to lead into a recession at all? Cause you seem pretty optimistic that the firearms industry anyways is going to, you know, just continue to strive.
2: I, I don't know, right? Like I, I think if we can get out of this in a timely manner, yeah. Uh, I think everybody will go back to it. I mean, they're going to have a little bit of a deal to have to d- to issue with, but you know, disposable income right now is still probably okay for you know. Un, you know I guess we just hit like seven million people on unemployment, but. Um, if we can get out of this in the next month or so, I think most people will be okay. Uh, I think the stock market's still trending above twenty uh, one thousand. So it's 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 you know it's definitely volatile. But uh, I I don't know that I see a full-blown recession coming. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that a lot of people had a wake-up call on living outside their means. We all have those friends that have nice cars or multiple homes or all the toys. And they say, well, I'll fine with my bills as long as I don't lose my job. Well, COVID-19 just hit him in the mouth with a right hook. And they're like, "Uh Oh, so, you know, I think people are going to reevaluate their finances and what they spend money on and how. So yeah, I I could see that happening. But as far as recession, I, I don't see anything major uh, coming online, but I'm, I'm also like, that's above my head too. Like I'm not, Sharpest tool and the shed
1: and talent stuff. So yeah. Well, it's funny when this whole thing happened. I was thinking, I'm like, why did I decide to buy a brand new car? Like that was like one of the first things I thought of. Which I'm fine. I haven't really been financially affected at all. But it's funny that you bring that up because, I mean, I don't I don't live like paycheck to paycheck or anything. But the first thing that I thought of was like, great, shit is hitting the fan, and I decided to buy a brand new car. Way to go, Ava. So.
2: I don't remember what you got. What'd you get?
1: I ended up getting an infinity QX 50. So it's not a cheap car.
2: No. And but again, like, you know, how long did you have the last car though?
1: I had it for a little over, I think maybe a little over five years, six years, and it was paid off. And, but I mean, and I kept thinking, I'm like, well, do I continue to drive a car, which was a Lexus? It was an IS 250 And, I'm like, it's paid off. But honestly, like the headlight, I had issues with it and they wanted to, I think to fix it, it was like $1,200. And I was like, screw it. Let's just get a new car. <laughs> Cause I, my thinking is like, you know, it's just going to continue to go downhill and things are going to break. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, there are far worse options out there for people. And you know, I had a, I had a person reach out to me that's in, it's a friend looking to buy PBS, you know, dual tube PBS 14s. And I was like, what are you going to do? He's like, well, I'll go take out a loan. Look, yeah. Unless you're taking out a loan for a necessity yeah. Or, yeah. or a home, that's probably not something you need to be spending money on.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I will say that after all of this has happened, you realize pretty quickly, there's a lot of people that do live paycheck to paycheck and they're not saving. And it's not even because they're not making enough money. Like, um, my hairstylist, for example, she makes like over a hundred thousand a year and did not put any money away. And she has no idea how she's going to pay for the salon next month.
2: Spends it just as quick as she can get.
3: It. Yeah.
1: And I, and I can't even like comprehend like spending money that quickly because I definitely am not like cheap. Like I'll spend, like if there's something I want, I'll just buy it. But I can't, you know, but I've, I was always told like, Growing up, like my mom raised me to like always have a savings and not just for, you know, a month or two, but like if shit hits the fan, like you're good for a few months. So, yeah. I don't know. It's I, it's crazy.
2: I hate spending money. My my girlfriend laughed at me because it's like I bought a new elk rifle right before I went on my elk hunt last year. And it, it was a significant purchase for me because I believe in buy once, cry once. So I ordered a rifle from Gunworks. <laughs> well... I ended up selling enough stuff in my house. I'm like, oh, don't need this. Don't need that to pay for it, even though I had the money to pay for it regardless. But it was the principle like, well, if I can get rid of stuff and I don't have to tap into my own money, that was my mindset at
1: least. Yeah. But then I also go back and forth between like, you got to save as if you are going to live a long time, but you also have to like live your life like you could die tomorrow. Absolutely. Like I could totally get coronavirus and I'll be like, Hey, you know what? I had a nice house. I really liked my garden, my car. I had a cute little dog and you know, I lived a pretty good life.
2: <laughs> you got to uh, being happy and being responsible. Yes. Co-hand-hand.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree.
2: You can be happy and irresponsible, but then times like this, you're going to find out that's not going to work out in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be responsible and miserable. That doesn't work out either. So
1: it's just that um, nice happy medium.
2: Absolutely, and that's what it boils down to: buy what you can afford, have a good life, you know, and enjoy enjoy what you got. Buy, buy all the IWI products, and you'll have even better. Because yeah, you know, you're going to be super happy. Everybody wants to talk to you about. It. I'm like, hey, what is that?
1: Right. I know. I showed up with the the TS12, and everybody's like, whoa. You know, it's, it's a really good way to pick up guys, you know, so ladies, if you're out there, definitely bring some IWI products to the range because guys are going to be like, you know, yeah, <laughs> <That works. laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I actually, typically when I go to the range, there's nobody there. I usually go on private ranges. So are there any new products in the works that you can tell us about?
2: The, not really at the current moment. Um, You know, we We started shipping to Seven, which is nice. TS-12 has been out for about six months. Masada has been out for about six months. We've got this. We had this track record of releasing product before it was available to ship. And I've been actively been trying to break that mold. Mm -hmm. So we do have some things coming down the pipeline that I think are pretty cool. Uh, Some subtle changes to some things that people have asked for. And, uh, just keep an eye out on our social media and other events. We go to a lot of events a year. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Shooter Symposium and Kalash Bash were supposed to be happening right now. Yeah. Um, but those aren't happening now. They'll happen in October. So we'll, we'll have some stuff for these events and throughout the year, our goal is to release, you know, throughout the year. Far too often, I think factories release all their product, all their new product at Shot Show and something gets lost in the mix of it all. Absolutely. So we release, you know, typically we release a product at shot, then NRA, and then late that year, which carries us in the shot. Just try to stay relevant uh, within the game. And, uh, you know, with, again, with our products being made in Israel, it's just um, we have to work with two separate entities. They have product over there that they've released that people are like, why can't I get it here in the United States? And I'm like, well, one, it's not legally importable. And two, uh, we're working on trying to figure out a way to get that in, but I can't, I don't want to say, hey, it'll be available in six months. And then you call me back and be like, hey, why is it not here yet? And I'm like, well, ATF hasn't approved it or they denied it and there's nothing I can do.
1: Mm -hmm. Definitely. So So for people who want to go and check out IWI's products in the US, uh, what website can they go to?
2: IWI.US is the US entity and then IWI.NET is the global entity, but for the most part, the products are the same.
1: And then you guys, uh, what is your social media handles for, with, for within the U S
2: so it's uh, IWI.us, uh, on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much it on that one. Um, we posted, we're pretty active, extremely active, uh, on social, and then I answer a lot of uh, it's usually me posting, but also me answering. So, most of the time, people have a direct feed to me, which keeps me busy sometimes.
1: Do you who do you operate the social media? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So, one of my side hustles is I do a lot of social media for other companies, including Manicor Arms, and I noticed that IWI USA. Always likes Manacore Arms post. And anytime that I tag you guys, you guys rarely like any of my posts. <laughs> so I just figured I was like, well, maybe the social media guy's just like, who's this gun bunny? And you know, and just didn't want to like my stuff.
2: Well, I'll let the other person know. I'm typically the one answering questions. Oh okay. As far as like scrolling, like when I log into our account, I go straight to the message system. And I start answering questions or I go to the picture we just posted and answer questions that have been posted on that post. But I mean, I'll, I'll make a note and pass it along to the, to the feller who does it.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I just, I, it just kind of made me laugh because I just kind of noticed that trend, but it kind of makes sense if you guys are really close with Sven. All right.
2: right. yesterday.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. He's a good guy. And now it's time to hear from Sportsman's Guide. So right now, the latest trend is to social distance yourself. And what better time to go camping than now? Sportsman's Guide has you covered. You can get all of your camping gear from them. They have a ton of stuff. I mean, they even have like a a propane-powered shower. So, you know, you can shower in comfort if you're like me and you prefer glamping. Otherwise, uh they have tents, fishing gear, all kinds of stuff. Head on over to sportsmensguide.com, use the code gunfunny20 and that will get you $20 off your purchase of $100 or more.
0: Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome. As if. Never mind. AF
1: The toilet paper craze continues. A few people have, you know, instead of being upset about it and going crazy, some people are acting differently with it. So one guy, Florida man, he hangs a giant toilet paper roll in his yard, in the front of his yard. And if you click on the article that I have in the show notes, so there's two big palm trees and in the center is a big giant roll of toilet paper. And it's actually not real toilet paper. It's like, kind of like a, I don't know, a molding of of toilet paper. But um, he kind of just did it as a joke. And he was quoted saying that, of course, it's the most important thing. You're going to laugh or you're going to drive yourself crazy. And honestly, I kind of have to agree with him. In times like this, it's like you can either, you know, overthink things and worry, or you can just kind of, you know, at times have a sense of humor about it. The next is this guy in, well, his name is Evan Era, and he tips delivery drivers with toilet paper and hand sanitizer. So, Obviously, not only is toilet paper hard to find, hand sanitizer, antibacterial wipes, all of that stuff. Right now, since everyone's staying at home, there's been a 1,200% increase in online shopping. So those delivery drivers are working super hard. They're also putting themselves in danger by, you know, obviously being exposed to elements. So one guy thought that it would be a great idea to tip his delivery drivers with toilet paper or hand sanitizer, and he just leaves it out you know, free for them to take, which is really nice, especially if, you know, if you have extra and, and you want to share, then, you know, I think it's a great idea. Do you have anything to add to that, Jeremy?
2: I don't even know who started this whole toilet paper thing.
1: Yeah. But... So I, I try to figure that out too, because like that, I think is just a really crazy, like social experiment, like to a degree, like before all this happened and like the coronavirus, like started taking like a lot of lives and a lot of people were getting it. I was really skeptical of this whole thing. And then I'm like, and then the toilet paper thing, I feel like this is just a huge social experiment just to see how far they could push people to do stupid shit.
2: Yeah, so I was, there was an article the other day I read that said prior to China fully acknowledging the virus, the Australian public was reporting the news down there that they were going through a, a shortage of toilet paper and it seemed to all come from, that part of the world they were just shipping mass truckloads but up to china they were ordering it and i'm like and nobody reported this in like december right so i'm like i find it interesting that the bulk of the u.s population or the the, the u.s toilet paper comes from canada or mexico so i don't really know why we went out and rushed for toilet paper but i was on the road traveling to show season but I have like the Amazon subscription that I forgot to turn off.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And when I came back, I had like 60 rolls delivered from Amazon. <laughs> so they still did their deal. But yeah, I don't know who started this whole toilet paper deal. I mean, I can't remember. i like, think about how much toilet paper you've like. I've oh, rolled know. people's houses before in high school. Like, I like know. that's all. What-
1: <laughs> I know. Nowadays, like you would never imagine if somebody TP'd somebody's house. Cool. Like that's like gold. Like you would be out of your mind.
2: Yeah. Good thing we're not in college football season. Cause I think it's <laughs> Auburn who like TP's like their little square when they have like a big game or an upset uh-huh. that would, you'd get crucified, do that now.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. All right. So moving on sharps bros, they're the ones that make those really cool receivers. You should check out the biller upper receiver. It's the SBUR03 goes with all of the lowers and just has a really nice design to it and you can find that at sharpsbros.com
0: q a there's no such thing as a stupid question just kidding visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours
1: today's question is what are you doing to keep yourself from going insane during the stay-at-home order jeremy you go first
2: what am I doing to keep myself sane? I mean, while... if
1: you're even if I mean, if you're sane, that is. There, the person that asked this is assuming that we're we're are, like we are yeah. sane.
2: <laughs> I can tell you this: my guns are probably cleaner than they have ever been. Right. Um, but the problem is, I've run out of guns to clean. I recently started watching Black Sails. I've never seen that, so that's been pretty cool.
1: Where is that on Netflix?
2: It's on Hulu, but okay. it's a. Uh, It's about basically the, you know, the Bahama Islands and England when they took it from Spain and basically the battle, basically the formation of piracy. Okay. Um, Pretty interesting. Other than that, uh, I'm fortunate. I can't complain. You know, IWI is still up and running. I live 3.7 miles from the office. So uh, I've been coming in every day just to sit in my office and work a couple, most of my crew has been home, so they're stuck at the house. But yeah, most of my time has been spent cleaning guns and watching black sales. And I read and I downloaded Call of Duty mobile and been playing on that too.
1: Hmm. How many divorces do you think are going to come out of this? So, well, okay. How many pregnancies and how many divorces?
2: A lot. I don't know how many that number is, but it's going to be I don't know that you're going to see a ton of divorces, but I think you're going to see a ton of babies.
1: I don't know because – so a lot of my cop friends, they said that all the calls that they've been answering are domestic violence. And I mean there is just like husband and wife just like going at it. And there's already been a few cases in the news where you know a husband or a wife like shot each other. And it's just – I don't know. I could imagine. So I keep thinking through all of this. I'm really, I, I mean, I'm really lucky that I don't have kids because I think that I would probably then go insane if I had to keep kids occupied because I'm having a hard time like keeping myself occupied, especially since you can't even take them to the park to play like on the playground. All of those are closed, but I think, you know, I think a lot of like spouses, They just get used to, you know, having their time apart when they go to work. So by being in the house together, I think that it probably will create quite a few divorces.
2: And, you know, social media and computers and stuff have taken away the ability to have conversation with another human being. Yeah. So people are, Lord have it, if if we had to be stuck in our house and the internet didn't work, like, People, you'd have a big problem then.
1: Right, I know. People would like really lose their minds. Well, what I've been doing to keep myself busy is, uh, I've been doing a lot of gardening. In fact, Prior to all of this, I had about four trips scheduled in the month of April, and I kind of was thinking in the back of my head, like, how am I going to, you know, prepare my yard for spring? Because there is a lot of preparation that takes place, and so now it's kind of like that silver lining. I have all the time in the world, and already my yard looks amazing, and it's just the beginning of April. In fact, my my grass is green. Like, it's crazy. So I also put down 40 bags of mulch. And that was definitely a pain in the butt. I'm also testing out my tolerance for alcohol. Uh, I just want to see, you know, how far I can take it. Uh, that's, that's pretty much like an everyday occurrence, you know? And, uh, I play with tickles. Um, I've been going for walks. I have been watching a little bit of Netflix, which I typically don't watch TV, but you know, now I have time. Nothing that I could think of. I did watch the stupid, uh, what is it? The lion guy with Joe whatever. I don't even know. I I feel like I lost a few brain cells by watching that, but I watched it. Now suddenly all the memes make sense. But other than that, I'm just trying to stay sane and I'm just keeping it, you know, one day at a time. And now it's time for Polymer 80. So I've heard of some people in the past. They said that they haven't put together a Palmer 80 just because they don't have the time. Well, guess what guys, now would be the perfect time, especially because background checks I think are still taking like six days. I know here in Colorado, they are, um, in other States they are probably taking longer. So now would actually be the perfect time to get your Palmer 80 kit. Um, they have kits for a really good deal. It's like 500 something. You can get that at Palmer 80.com. Use the code GunFunny and that gets you 15% off. And now it is time for Tacti Talk.
0: Tacti Talk discussing popular guns and gear. Love it, hate it, find out now.
1: So recently, uh, I saw something made by JK Armament and it's a modular solvent trap and honestly, I don't know where I've been. I I guess I've been living under a rock because I really wasn't Like aware of solvent traps, but apparently, you know, it's kind of a a way to sort of get around the system. You still have to file a form for it, like a form one, but it's not, you know, you'll get probably it'll pass within like a few weeks, as opposed to if you were to get like an NFA item, you would have to wait, you know, like let's say eight months or more. So JK Armament Came out with this solvent trap. Um, they make one for pistols and rifles, and um, it's kind of interesting. Like Jeremy, maybe you can explain it a little bit better.
2: It's basically, for all intents and purposes, it is a suppressor that is eighty percent. It's the polymer eighty of the suppressor
1: world. Yeah, there you but,
2: go. But you have to form one it, which takes like thirty days e-file, right? And pay your $200 tax stamp. It comes with the jig just like the polymer 80 does. When you get back your your tax stamp, you put the very last baffle, the very first baffle, or however you want to define it, uh, the end cap, into this jig. Put the drill bit into your drill. Put it on low. Drill it. Clean up at that, you know, where you had your, your marking marks at. Put it back in the on the on this on, on now the suppressor and you have a fully functional modular suppressor. I saw a video that Chris Costa did and that's what turned me on to it. And then I started doing a lot of research on it. This is brilliant. I don't have to wait 12 months anymore, and I still accomplish the same outcome.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they made it where it's similar to other suppressors where you can make it longer, shorter. It's the same OD as the standard for the industry. So you can use a silencer co in cap, which allows you to use the silencer co QD along with dead air. So, uh, it's pretty cool. It's exp- I mean, it's expensive. It's 500 and something dollars, but
1: yeah. So that was the only downfall when I was looking at it. I'm like, eh, for that price, I would almost rather buy a suppressor, but the downfall of that is having to wait, you know, that long period of time. Because otherwise, yeah. like I was, like I said, I was looking on the internet and a lot of times you can buy these quote unquote solvent traps for, like I said, like $30. So $550, give or take seemed a little high, but if it works, um, if, especially if it works well and, you know, and, and you don't the have to wait a long are, time.
2: The other ones that are super expensive, they're not, are super inexpensive. They're not fully like built, like, like, there's more than just drilling one part out. If I remember correctly.
1: No, you're right. That's true.
2: This is like, for all intents and purposes, this is a, this, It's got baffles in yeah. it, and the only thing you've got to do is file a form one. I think a form one filing service is like thirty four ninety nine. It is. Pay the two hundred dollar tax stamp, and within thirty to forty five days, you have a functioning legal. Suppressor.
1: I wonder how like, well it holds up.
2: I, I, I don't know, but I would, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just got two suppressors in the day from Surefire. They're going to prison for the next year. Yeah. So you got, you know, that's two grand just sitting in a safe for a year.
3: Mm-hmm. When
2: this is 600 bucks and they have a rifle and a pistol version of it and... You know, Chris has done a video, Recoil's done a couple conversations about it. We'll know in a couple months how quickly or how good or bad these do, but I feel like it's pretty hard to screw it up. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at the internals. I mean, it looks like a normal suppressor. Yeah. Like, everything. like the only thing you got to drill is this Does one little, little part and you're ready to rock.
1: Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It looks like it would hold up pretty well. Like, you know, as you said, just like uh, any other suppressor out there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, it's cool. Like I said, I'm always looking for new stuff. I'm a gear person. So it's like, when I saw that come online, I immediately went to their website. I was like, all right, this is cool. I got to do some more research. And the better part is I'm like kicking myself in the butt. Like, why didn't I think of that?
1: Right. I know. It's so crazy that there's just so many like you know, like loopholes, like the 80 or, or, you know, this, where it's like, oh, well, if you just do it yourself, like drill this little hole, like you're good to go. And it just kind of makes you, it just like annoys me with all the laws and regulations that they have.
2: It's all of most, uh, the laws and regulations they have put on suppressors and SBRs
1: and machine guns
2: is retarded. Yeah. Puerto Rico, right? Like that's a U.S., Entity for all intents and purposes, they can buy some like um SBRs off the shelf down there, like not a big deal. Yet, here in the United States, I gotta wait six months mm-hmm. to buy a, a factory SBR. you like, we have SBR like Galils and uh X95s, and yeah, you're waiting a year for it, yeah. Uh, so, it's
3: and just- it's and
1: especially with SB Tactical, their braces are so amazing. They I don't think they even make much of a difference between using a brace or a stock. So I would rather just, you know, put a brace on it and
2: I haven't SBR'd a rifle since SB Tactical came out with the SBA three.
1: Yeah. Oh I know. Um, That one's genius.
2: There's just like I don't have to let states know that I'm crossing state lines with it with their pistol, you know, instead of an you know, an SBR. You know, you, you're supposed to let states know, like, hey, I'm I'm a Florida resident. And I'm leaving Florida, going to Georgia, and then I'm going through Alabama. You're supposed to let them know. The pistol, pound sand, I ain't letting nobody know. Yeah. But, yeah, the SBA-3, um, our Golils come with uh, the, one of the original races, and we have been looking at a way to make it work with the SBA-3 because it's, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. I actually did just get my first SBR, which is, uh, Chris Vector. And that is, I mean, just because I had a choice, I could pick out, you know, caliber, color, whatever. And I actually didn't specify SBR, but I have my SOT. So I think they were just like, Oh, well, we don't have a lot of people that post pictures with our SBR. So, you know, they figured they'd send me that one. So this is my first SBR, but I got to say, I mean, you look at it and you're just like, All right, like, would I pay two hundred dollars to, to have this, you know, the tax stamp? No. I definitely wouldn't. You know, it helps because like I said, I have my SOT, but the minute that I get rid of that, then I'm gonna have to pay for all the tax stamps, like everything that's in in the company's name if I wanna keep it.
2: Yeah, enjoy that one.
1: I know. I'm like I'm just I'm literally just like, I mean, this is this is my life now. I'm always gonna have to be an SOT. Other than I mean, otherwise I'm just, you know, I keep hiking up that bill if i want to keep all the products.
2: Well the SUV is like, like 500 every year. Yeah,
1: then, every April. And Which, then
2: what's an FFL every it's like 500 300 every 5 years?
1: Um i think it's every 3 years. In fact, mine just came up for renewal and it's $90. So yes. that's $190. Yeah. It, if you
2: have 5 cans, if you have 4 cans in an S, if you you have yeah, 2 cans in a SBR or something, you you you've saved money.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um and then recently I was thinking about getting my class seven, which would allow me to turn semi autos into full autos. And now we're talking. I know. And so that I've been, I need to make up my mind pretty quickly because every April, like I said, you have to renew your SOT. So I'm just debating: do I renew my SOT or do I add on the class seven? And I mean, I'm, I know, I totally agree. And I mean, really, I'm only doing this for the gram. I'm doing this for YouTube videos and the gram. (laughs) Cause I, I just figured and like, I would probably start with like an AR first so that if any parts start breaking, like it's so easy to replace, it's not a big deal. It's not like I'm shooting, you know, a machine gun that was made like you know, 40 years ago that is super expensive and I shot it, you know, so much that I, I wore it down. Now it's not working. So, you know, I
2: don't think pe- like people in the firearms industry in general, like we, we don't fully understand or appreciate sometimes. Like if I'm having a bad day, I walk downstairs grab our belt fed and put a 50 round drum downrange, wow. and instantly I'm in a better mood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. I've, and I hear that all the time. Like it definitely, you know, definitely relieves stress. So I got some news for you about Trigger Brew. They are finally shipping their energy shots as well as their energy drinks. I have not actually had the energy drinks, but I did have the energy shots and they're really good. They don't make me shake you like your typical like five-hour energy. So definitely check it out. Head on over to TriggerBrew.com, use the code GUNFUNNY, and that gets you 20% off. And now it is time for iTunes reviews. So if you guys have not left me a review, please do so, especially if you have some extra time on your hands. It's just a really good way to you know, help populate the show in uh, in search results. So the first review is from Justin Paulson, five stars, very personable. Ava is one of the most personable and down-to-earth podcasters on her show and in her Patreon group. She is very active and caring, individual, and very knowledgeable in her industry. Ah, thanks, Justin. And then the second one, and I'm sure most people would be like, why did you read this on air? But I don't care, I'm going to. Hillary is a man, one star, titled Brutal. If you want to listen to a host tell you they're not a gun bunny, but totally could be, while fishing for compliments on her looks for from her guests, all while preaching about how she wants to be taken seriously, this podcast is for you. So it's really funny because the person, Hillary is a man, I Googled that and consistently any of the one-star reviews that I've received, coincidentally, we like shooting that same person left a five-star review for them. So I think it's a little like, obviously, I don't think it's even anybody who's actually listened to the show. I think it's just somebody who wants to sabotage to say like, oh, I could be a gun bunny. Like, yeah, okay. I think any woman could be a gun bunny. I just, I had a laugh and uh, I don't know. It's just, it's amazing how many people have like nothing better to do. But um, Jeremy, out of those two, pick a winner to win a prize pack.
2: I feel like you should give it to the hateful one.
1: I know that way I can get his address, right?
2: Yeah. And like, you know, even though, you know, Hey, even though you're being disrespectful, we still like you because you, you, you support the second amendment, but I don't know. I'm also an asshole. So I would also tell that person like pound sand and give it to the person who, who respects you and, listen, who supports your channel. But then
1: I also think that sometimes it's worse when somebody's mean to you and then you just like, you're super nice to him back.
2: Sounds like that person's getting a prize pack.
1: I guess so. All right. Hillary is a man contact me and I'm going to send you out a gun funny patch as well as a t-shirt. All right. So now it's time to wrap up. So guys, you can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to all of my social media, YouTube, all of the links where the podcast is available. And if you enjoy the show and you want to contribute, you should highly consider becoming a Patreon. So all of your pledges, whether it's like $3 a month or, you know, $200 a month, it all goes back into the show and it really helps out the show a lot. So if you enjoy it, consider becoming a Patreon. $3 gets you access into our Patreon only Facebook group. And it's, I think it's a lot of fun. I'm going to do something that I have not done before. So the next person to become a Patreon is going to get a one of a kind patch. So I have these gun funny patches that I just had made, and I've decided that they are only going to Patreon. So they're not going to be for sale. You have to be a Patreon in order to get one. So the next person who signs up to become a Patreon, you are getting a patch and blown deadline is giving away a $300 gift certificate. To a lucky Patreon for a coat job, so three hundred dollars worth of Cerakote. each month. I pick a winner. Doesn't matter what your level of pledges, you get entered into the drawing. I also want to thank the twenty-five dollar Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, eight 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 eight, Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Sportsman's Guide, and Kevin Ham. And king of the Patreon is still John Snow. He wants me to say that in uncertain times like these, Operator Tickles just wants to remind everyone to wash their hands, keep one in the chamber, and remember, just like Jeffrey Epstein, that bitch Carol Baskin's husband didn't kill himself. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Um, if you want to become king of the Patreon, you just have to pledge two hundred and fifty-one dollars. So, out-pledge uh, John Snow by one dollar a month. Otherwise, uh, I want to thank Kenny Ortega for editing this show. He's going to have to edit quite a bit today, not on Jeremy's end, but on my end, because you know, there's never a day where I'm not out of it. (laughs) So Kenny, I apologize in advance. And Jeremy, I just want to thank you once again for spending so much time with me going over IWI. I think what you guys are doing is great, and I'm glad that you guys are staying afloat during all of this. If you could just remind listeners one more time where they can find a IWI on the website as well as social media.
2: Yeah, so uh, I appreciate being on here. We should talk about doing a giveaway for your supporters, potentially maybe doing a Masada and sending it to uh, your boys down there at Bloodline to get it seracoded um, up. Yeah, up definitely. A bit.
1: That would be awesome. Of-
2: Uh, For everybody, you can find us uh, at www.iwi.us, and then on social media, Facebook and Instagram is iwi.us.
1: All right. Well, on that note, we're out of here.
0: Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.